All right, let's get back into it. Good and bad of the top half of the constructor's grid and some livery talk. Moving on to McLaren, middle of the pack here. My three goods gonna be, they have obviously, it's just the one one, the easiest good is they have a top tier driver, Lando, Norm Lando Norris leading the helm of the orange papaya. So as long as McLaren can keep him on this team, I think they're always gonna be having some chance of competing for points. Like no matter how big of like a drop of performance, hopefully it's not as much as We've seen the last couple of years, but even so, he's still going to be fighting because he's that good of a driver. So if they can just hold that, with that being said, will better teams try and steal him uh, in the next couple of years? I would, but um, sticking on the good. Sorry about that. Uh, sticking on the good. Stealing Piastri from Alpine to secure their second seat. So Huge. obviously he was one of the top talent. Yeah, I mean, one of the top talent teams had their eyes on going into 2023. Uh, and just made a, a really, really quick, probably the quickest pit stop in like Formula One history with one team and then just to peel out there overnight and go to another team. Yeah. I think he probably had like the quickest contract of all time. I guess if you're Alpine, you say that he was legally contracted. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that was a great move for him. I think it was a great move and huge for McLaren because, um, yeah, who, I mean, who would have known who they ended up with? So, um Fantastic. There are my bads, though. So my bads. So it was hard, though. McLaren, I didn't want to do this to you. Um, in 2021, McLaren had 275 points. They had their first victory since 2012 and finished P4 in the Constructors. 2022, finished with 159 points, so almost 120 points less than they did in 2021. And their best team result was a fourth and fifth in Singapore. So uh, just electric race, by the way, electric race. Yeah. I mean, awesome. That should have been a good, actually. Yeah. Best team. <laughs> see, I did a little bad in the good and I did a little good in the bad. You know, nice. Keep you on your toes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, great there. But and they're not they weren't really, I guess, necessarily declining at the second half of the season. They've just been losing separation from the top tier guys the last couple of years, um, which, you know, it's just it's a bummer being even if you're like the best of the rest, you know, it's just, you hate being part of that rest. Even if you're fighting and your Mercedes didn't really have a chance for one, like you still want to be up there in that, those conversations. So um, it's hopefully we see McLaren kind of get back in their, their names in that shuffle, but um, it's not been looking like the trajectory that we've seen. Um, and then my, my worst bad, actually, my one, one of bad is just the end of the Danny Rick era. Not much more needs to be said there. It just did not work out for e either side. Um, and just, you don't have to look, you know, any further than his race results in 2022 to know that, hey, shit, like something needed to change. And then the last one, uh, this was, a, I think it's a bit of surprise, a bit of surprise to me, but losing their team principal, uh, Andres Seidel leaves McLaren after four seasons with the team. And then... Andrea Stella replaces him, who was their racing director starting in 2019. But uh, just never good when you're, the head of your team is wanting to leave. Um, not like, <laughs> hey, we're firing you. But like when he's like, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. So I'm going to go somewhere else. So um, 
yeah, that's just uh, just never an exciting time or thing to see. And then uh, moving to their livery. I, I personally, I know you disagree, I do not like their livery. Uh, I think that there's just too much fucking shit going on. There's too many colors. Um, there's too much fucking shit on me. Literally, that's what I kept saying. There's too much fucking shit on me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like the racing wheels, we have, I think there's like eight different colors on this car. I know they're subtle, but it's just, I, I keep looking everywhere because there's like checkered board on their um, their tail. They have multicolored uh, rims, multiple colors on their side pods. It's just, yeah, I'm, I, I don't like it. You know what screwed them? is Google Chrome becoming a sponsor because oh, they 100%, have the, yeah. the, the rainbow kind of like Google rainbow type thing on the wheel cover yeah. is so distracting and it makes a way too busy from like a font standpoint livery on a car make it way too busy from a color standpoint as well. But yeah, luckily that livery is not going to matter much when everybody sees it flying past them uh, when they take their rightful spot at the top of the grid. Uh, let a boy dream, I guess. Let, let, let me dream. I guess. All right, and moving on to the P4 and the Constructors' Championship team. Alpine, let's talk about uh, let's talk about their best first. Huh? Let's talk about their nice. best. Nice. Switch it up a little bit. They dealt well with adversity. You know what I mean? They have two, a bunch of DNFs. Their team's completely incompetent. Um, but they still got P4 over McLaren. So uh, a bunch of bad, bad engine failures. Um, but they ended up somehow pulling it out and beating um, beating my team in the battle for P4. Um, some other good is that they got rid of the toxic person that is Fernando Alonso. Um, you know, finally got him out of there. Uh, so, <laughs> and then um, the <laughs> I didn't work too hard on the Alpine good. Um, the, the other good for real was the Japanese Grand Prix. So leading up to Suzuka, uh, Alpine had two weekends in a row where they scored zero points. Those weekends, if anybody wants to go back and watch those uh, highlights, are Italy and Singapore. So watch those highlights if you want to see the true Alpine. At that point, uh, McLaren had been gaining on them for the race uh, for P4 and the Constructors. Italy and Singapore, they scored 28 points, while Alpine hadn't scored any points. Uh, thanks for you know, thanks for Danny Ricardo finally showing up getting his season high P5 in Singapore. Felt like McLaren were going to be more of a problem for them. And then uh, Alpine just kind of like couldn't really get themselves together. But then came the Japanese Grand Prix, Esteban. This was like the dagger in the heart of the McLaren fans. Um, Esteban with his season high P4 and Fernando giving Alpine uh, a double points finish by getting in that P7 spot. Uh, and that was kind of like, like I said, it was the dagger in the heart. That was all she wrote for the P4 battle at that point at the uh, at the Japanese Grand Prix. From then on, they, they hung on to the P4 lead. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, for as bad of a team as they are and for as unforgivable as, as, uh, as a season that they had beating McLaren, they did have some positives, I guess. Uh, and then let's talk about the worst. I know I said that it was good um, to have Fernando out, but it's also I also put it in my worst oh, <laughs> like okay. bad parts. Nice, I like <laughs> because um, in all seriousness, I I do feel like like having uh, like having a good like 
person ahead of you uh, like does give a little bit of an edge in terms of like development. Um, I don't think Esteban's necessarily like, you know, you definitely can't call him like somewhat of a rookie driver. I think he's had enough races under his belt at this point, but still uh, it's nothing compared to the, I think like 400 and some races that Fernando's had. Um, just makes sense that it would have, you know, it, wouldn't, it would be good to have like a mentor if they could possibly work that out. So losing that opportunity I thought was bad. Um, and the other part, I thought was bad was like when that happened, when the move to Aston Martin came for Fernando, um, it just seemed like Alonzo and Ocon and Alonzo and the garage were getting a little bit contentious. Like Fernando, mm-hmm. like Fernando just seemed to be kind of annoyed toward the end of races um, where that happened. And then I saw this too in terms of like, you know, kind of very cherry picked stats. Like Fernando finished only two out of the first four races. So 50% uh, race finishing in the first four races. And then he only finished three out of the last seven races. So four DNFs, like two DNFs in the first four races and four DNFs in the last seven races. Um, So it just seemed like at the very beginning, there were some concerns about like what the engine, what the Alpine engine was going to be able to do. And at the very end, it just showed that it like really needed to kind of go back to the drawing board. So, um, you know, that I think that in and of itself is definitely something to be like, all right, you know, a lot of people are pretty high on Alpine, uh, but I'm not completely convinced just because I feel like they have a lot of uh, a lot to, to prove before we take them seriously as somebody who can fuck up McLaren's season again. And the last part about their bad, uh, dude, we were at the race. This was one. Do you remember when Fernando got uh, launched into the air by oh, his yeah. now teammate Lance Stroll? Yeah. Um, that was one of those, like, we saw that race in person and – I was like, you know, maybe this is one of the ones kind of like the Guan Yu Zhou one earlier in the season. Like, maybe this is one of the ones where some driver's going to get, like, actually hurt. Luckily, he didn't. But I just feel like that was kind of like, uh, even though he went on to actually finish that race, um, that was just in this route where they, you know, they weren't finishing races. They were having engine problems uh, as well as some contact problems. So, yeah, that was uh, that was the last one of Fernando almost dying. It's not a big deal, I guess, but Fernando almost died. You what? One of these is bound to happen. We had quite a few last year that were like, oh, well, like a couple inches here, a couple inches there. Yikes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully uh, hopefully not. Wink, wink. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, so I would say, right, like losing Alonzo was tough. I thought he was showing a lot better performance and like he was keeping up with the big dogs like every other, every couple of races or so. Um, But Esteban... It seems like it didn't seem like he was kind of making it up. Like it, it, I don't know if I were wanting to lose one of the drivers, it would have been that Weasel Esteban. It would not have been Alonso. So like I thought that that's a bummer that they lost. I think the better driver on that team, um, and I am calling this right now. I think that him and Gasly are gonna have some problems. I think they're going to hate each other. Uh, yeah, dude. They have a common ex-girlfriend. And it's kind of like, I mean, this goes into what I was going to talk about, you know, as far as, like, delivery. Like, with the Yocon and, and Gasly, uh, you know, teams are going to be watching. These French boys, these little little French team, baguette boys, as, as I've heard them. Um, Eiffel Tower enthusiasts, I guess you could call them. Nice. The blue and pink does not match the vibe of what I think this is going to be because I feel like the blue and pink is like happy, <laughs> nice, like baby Yay. boy, baby girl yeah. colors. Like you said, not only are these guys like hate each other, but they're going to look pretty fucking stupid doing it because I think the blue and pink combination 
is just not a it's not like it doesn't scream race car to me um like it, it's unique i'll give you that but like i don't know it just uh i feel like this is this is probably my least or second least favorite uh livery that's that's on the grid right now it looks like i lit a handful of power rangers and melted them together or like a yeah, like ice cream, you know, like an ice cream truck. Oh yeah, go buy just drop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like or the ones that uh, look like you know, it's like oh, there's SpongeBob. It's like oh, there's a race car. I'm like oh, this is a bubblegum race car. Here you go. That says <laughs> the bubblegum race car. Those popsicles that are like this is what it looks like when you open it up and it looks like that whatever was imagined just had a blender go through it. Uh, it looks dude, like scary. They like did a, like a special edition one of uh, the Grosjean one and it just fucking exploded. <laughs> Explosion. It's just a melted ice cream cone. There it is. It's just a melted. It's just melted. <laughs> and we put it in the furnace. That's what how, how that's how you make it. That's fucked. All right, you're sick. And moving on to our third place team, Mercedes. So I will start with the uh badge first. Moving along to the goods here. So Bats, seven seasons of dominance has officially come to an end. Not only did they not reign in their either championship, but they came in third uh, with George finishing fourth and Lewis sixth in the drivers um, and only one win this season. First ever season in Lewis's career that he did not win a race. So that is just like time. Times are low coming in as a rookie. You're doing it. I mean, every single year except for this year. Um, that's just it. It is uh, not a great sign, I guess, in that respect. And then uh, my other bad is probably going to be brain damage. So uh, porpoising was a huge talking point in 2022, and no team struggled with that air humping more than Mercedes. Uh, they said that the porpoising cost Mercedes uh, six months of F1 car development, um, So, which led to, I guess, kind of all the issues. I'm also very excited because seeing the drive to survive uh, little tidbits and people talking about what they cover. It does show a clip of like Horner yelling at uh, Toto being like, uh, your car is way too fucking dangerous. Fix it. Uh, and screaming at him. So um, I'm very forward to looking for that. That was just a huge part of Mercedes issues, a huge part of uh, <coughs> what they struggled with. So a big bad on that. If that, I mean, I know there's a lot of talk on this W14 and how it's going to be and how much better and all the development. But if this is, comes out and it starts doing this again, oh, my God. Like, it's going to be that dog in that fire room being like, everything is fine. And it is not going to be fine. You see them just, like, on their first go around and the start. It just like, oh, looks like they're trampling oh, again. It's just like, it's undrivable, mate. Oh, my God. My bet. It's a high-speed trampoline. <laughs> it's on the asphalt. It hurts. <laughs> All right, so my third bat is going to be uh, pissed off Christian Horner. Uh, writing out your competitors, always a fun game, especially if it's your better rival, but uh, being one of the main teams to investigate Red Bull's overspending uh, is not only going to cause that Napoleon complex Christian Horner to rear his tiny head back, going to Mercedes at 2023. And it didn't take long for Horner to make like hints at Mercedes months before the season even started. Uh, it was already gearing towards like a cost cap breach with the quote saying there's been a surprising amount of development in the second half of the last year and already in the off season. So already like starting to point fingers back at them being like, oh, if you're going to start like doing this shit, I'm going to as well. This is also when they were a clear better team than Mercedes. So for him to already start getting razzled with this, if Mercedes is pretty good, we're just going to get that same old 2021, just them two real principles of Please. Formula One going back at it harder and bigger than ever. So 
Um, it seems like you know the the it seems like the match has been lit. The gasoline is like leaning on a wobbly table, and it's like, is it gonna fall? Uh, we will see. But it seems like uh, there like all the formulas for a craziness is about to ensue. I hope so. Let's get some talking points, yeah. baby. Yeah, and then um, my last point is gonna be delivery. I like we said. One of the teams that just went all black, everything, um, pretty much the entire car. I think it's one of my favorite, actually, on the grid. Um, I think it looks so sweet. Uh, a lot of people were kind of surprised with the lack of silver, but I really thought it looked awesome just to go jet black like this um, as, like, minimal other things, like a clear, nice, cool, like, line going through it, that greenish line going through it, a little bit of yellow, but... Um, I think it looks very slick. It looks fast. It looks like a very fast car. Yeah, the all black definitely makes it look just, it makes it look faster and it just looks sick. It's like everybody tried to get a little bit of black paint to be like, oh, let's make our car look cooler. And the Mercedes was just like, oh, you you want some black paint? We're going to go out back and we're going to smoke a whole pack of black paint. And we're going to dump it all on the car and see how you like it. All right. Bitch. All right. Yeah, dude. Hey, this car is going to be black like our lungs after I, we smoke all these cigarettes. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes is cool. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, moving on to our P2 team. Uh, let's talk about the worst and the best of Ferrari. I'm going to do you a favor, and I'm going to start with the best because I'm a nice guy. Oh, is that right? Um, first off, back in the fight, dude. Back in the fight. Fighting for constructors' championships, fighting for pole positions, fighting for leads, fighting for wins. Definitely got way more pole positions and leads than they got wins, but they're back in the fight. Um, you know, we were used to seeing Charles. We were used to seeing Charles out in Q1. You know, in not too like distant memory. Um, so like getting rid of Sebastian. Sebastian, I feel like that kind of raised them up. They're back fighting for the pole positions, um, and like. Their driving pairing is solid. I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Carlos getting his first win, I think that was a huge for him, like definitely needed to happen. Um, and then let me go into my best, my, my best best, because I worked on this one hard for you. Um, seems like forever ago, but the first three races of the season were Ferrari's races, right? People were laser focused on the regulations and how the racing was going to change the sport. We talked about Mercedes having the high speed trampoline and the porpoising like that screwed them up. Um, what was it going to do to Ferrari? We knew it was going to be easier to follow in the 22 cars with the new regs. Um, racing was going to be closer and drivers wouldn't have to, you know, build and build and build before trying to make one move. And after the first three races, I just feel like Ferrari just genuinely had it figured out. Like Charles won two of the first three races, was neck and neck with Verstappen for the other one. Um, you know, like Verstappen retired twice in those first three races. The Honda engine was being scrutinized. Um, Charles was winning the championship with 71 points against Verstappen's 25. There was a 46 point different. Some say where it was just big enough of a gap that the you know they could just call the championship early after the first three races. He was just Charles was just ahead too much. Honda engines couldn't finish a race. It was kind of game over. So that was kind of the best. And then the low point, it had been years of Ferrari being like way out of first place, hadn't won a race since 2019 before this season, uh, you know, and then, what am I doing? I'm illiterate. I, I guess, guess. you get, just got to move on from just, we can go to Red Bull. 
It had been years of Ferrari, you know, not being that close to the front, not giving their fans, uh, you know, the satisfaction of being at the very top of the grid like they should be. Um, but at that point, they've won two to three, two of their last three races going into the fourth race of the season. They were a winning team. They have the opportunity to show it to their home crowd in Italy, the Tifosi who had spent years longing to be in contention to win regularly. What better way to say thank you to the loyal fan base of the Tifosi in, in Italy of all places, their home soil. The new era of Ferrari had begun, and then in front of their home fans, in all-time bed-shitting, they finished two of four, two and four in the sprint, P2, P4, which isn't bad, but the GP finish uh, between the two of them was a DNF and a P6, so that was very much less than desirable. Uh, speaking of home soil, Charles Leclerc, the Monegas guy who had never had much luck on his own home soil, uh, got pole position, so great way to kind of like turn that uh, stereotype around about Charles not being good on uh, in Monaco. But uh, Charles ended up going with the uh, DNF, not even getting to start in Monaco. And then uh, the last one, Mattia Bonotto, leaving the pit wall after a poor tire, tire choice. Uh, do you remember when he just, like, bounced? Like, the race was going to Yeah, dude. He was, dude. Like, he was right, like, I'm going dude, I need to go to a quiet place. Yeah. So that was the worst of Ferrari. And then talking about their livery, um, I kind of think they killed it. Uh, black undertone. Mm. I feel like they were the only team that did like a genuinely good job with the black undertone. And then check out the uh, Santander logo. Looks like a little fire emoji on both sides of the front wing. Mm-hmm. Just kind of looks like the like the front wing has like some some flames on it, which is dope. And uh, and yeah, I saw Ray Ban was a sponsor. Very Charles Leclerc type brand. I feel like cool guy, cool guy brand. But uh, but yeah, I loved it. Yeah, fantastic. I think uh, just that Ferrari color, everything like that. I think they made co- like. The red a little less like dark it was a little blood ready uh but yeah i think this like really hits that ferrari look very very well um i thought this i think that and i think that mercedes was probably my top two favorite on the grid um and then uh all i have to say is fred's gonna fix everything so not worried and oh, nice. early season testings and like they're uh the little bit they have talked about it seems like Everyone's a little scared of the Ferrari car. Yeah, that's never happened in a preseason. Yeah, before. no. I'm. I mean, hey, I'm just saying. Don't shoot the messenger. That's what I heard. Okay. The ears on the ground, baby, and a lot of drivers said, "Oh fuck." Uh, moving around to our number one, numero uno team, Red Bull. So uh, let's start with the bads. Tough to go with this one. This is kind of like the Williams of the goods, uh, but. I think, you know, uh, got in some cheating ag- accusations, uh, overspending, blaming it on employee meals. So literally pointing the fingers at their own employees, fucked up, uh, resulted in a $7 million fine, doesn't reduce their budget. And then they have some car development restrictions, so less time to win tunnel. Pretty minor, but they're already getting the least amount of time in the tunnel, coming in first for the constructors. So, uh, you know, it's just a little bit more of an uphill battle, uh, less time in there and time to figure shit out. And then uh, their second bad is going to be family feud. So towards the end of the season, we saw Max Sergio beefing with some issues on the track. Max, Max completely ignoring orders to let Sergio pass to give him a chance at second place in the driver's championship. Uh, tensions were pretty high, I would say, between the two. Uh, there was a very unreliable source I saw, uh, Twitter, that said that their relationship was quote-unquote unrepairable. So um, let's see how this plays out going into 2023. 
And then, you know, just kind of throwing in, I'm sure this is more of like a fandom kind of thing, but like reporters and people asking these guys all the time, with Danny coming into the mix now, they're, you know, if there are tensions at Flair, people are going to be asking about Danny all the time, accusations, rumors, all this stuff. So, I mean, it could just get annoying um, off the track issues that Red Bull Max does not want to deal with. And then number three, uh, kind of along the same line, uncertainty with their upcoming uncertainty with their upcoming drivers so they lost out on Gasly moving over to Alpine Yuki has been showing small flashes of talent but doesn't really have that consistency that you could be like hey you know if we need to replace Sergio we have someone kind of tucked away ready to go on our teams to to jump up and then uh, they bring in a rookie driver to fill in for their little brother on the team Perez's contract ends in 2024 Um, so it's just it's going to be interesting you know, who starts to rise at the potential replacement or if they're going to have to start seeking elsewhere. My good. So, I mean, I don't think there's much to talk about good because, like, everyone knows, I guess, that it's pretty apparent what their good is. Uh, the best good there is. Championship. The double-double with ultimate ease. I mean, double championship. Everyone knew, I would say, about like at the halfway point, probably a little couple races beforehand, that this is likely what's going to happen. Um, they outscored Ferrari, so first to second, by 205 points. That 205 point difference from first to second would have placed fourth on the grid. So, like, the difference between first and second for them beat your McLaren in points. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, no, so like they would have been fourth behind Mercedes in front of McLaren, 205 points. Um, my other good is going to be, so for like on a, how unlikable most of the Red Bull personality are, um, they are just hitting heartstrings. I mentioned it in the bad, heart, hitting the heartstrings of Formula fan, 1 fans everywhere by grabbing Danny Rick as a, their reserve driver. Um, his popularity was probably a huge, huge reason for that. Like, hey, a lot of people seem to fucking hate us. Let's bring him back like, probably the most liked driver that we've ever had um, since Vettel. I mean, probably even during this time there, it was probably more loved. Um, and then bring him back. Like, let's just get him marketing. He's not that good of a driver right now, it doesn't seem like. So let's just market the shit out of him and, like, get people to like Red Bull again. Um, so, I mean, I think that was just a fantastic, smart, smart tactic. Um, and then my last good is going to be uh, bringing more red, white, and blue to the sport because they are joining forces with Ford Luckily for them, though, like I think this is like a huge one is like they're just a top tier, high end car manufacturer. You think of McLaren, you think of Aston Martin, you think of Mercedes and Ferrari. And then ah, we got Florida along, too. I mean, that's just like if you're Red Bull, you got to be stoked that you landed big dog, big daddy Ford. Ford. Nice. Oh, Ford. You know, hey, I mean, American cars and drivers and trucks have always done well in Formula One, so we're back. <laughs> we did it, boys. Way to go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to see how, I mean, I don't know if this is like a false flag and a, like false face and narrative that uh, Red Bull is saying, but they seem very excited. Um, and, I mean, I think going back, like, another good is just uh, Max's dominance in general, too. Uh, he, I think, broke so many records this year about how dominant he was. I think he was, like, the most wins uh, in a Formula 1 season. He won the four of the last five and nine of the last 11. Um, so, I mean, it was just, like, it was who was going to play second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever. But for the most part, 
you're sticking with Max on finishing these races. I think he had, what, like 15 wins of the 21 or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, it was awesome. It, it was like uh, for all the people who liked Verstappen being the challenger to Lewis, you know, before the 2021 season, it was nice gratification of like, you know, all right, he got barely beyond the finish line beating Lewis by just a couple points. And then, like, mm-hmm. it was nice vindication to be like, oh, well, he stomped him this time around. So, Dude, uh, the amount of, like, this, that narrative of, like, oh, he got it. Lewis had it stolen from him. Like, it kind of goes away when you see this fucking guy just fucking yeah. go on a rampage, a nuclear missile rampage uh, the next season. Yeah, like, he didn't deserve it. was like, well, he deserved he definitely deserved, well, he deserved this one. To yeah. <laughs> At least this one. If he, didn't, if he didn't deserve last year, he definitely deserved this year. Yeah. Um, all right, awesome. Well, that was uh, perfect. That was a nice look back into the 2022 season. All right, we'll have uh, a couple more episodes before we actually go lights out racing in uh, we're, we're in Bahrain and uh, and uh, but yeah, I mean, man, it felt it felt good to look back, man. It was an awesome season. Can't wait for this next one coming up. Yeah, I feel like just teams are getting closer. I I feel like. Like the the gap between a lot of these teams and are closing in a little bit, so uh, maybe it's just me lying to myself that it's gonna be like that. But <laughs> my God, I feel like I'm onto something. If you're lying to yourself, then lie to me too, because that would be wonderful. It would make a, you know, we just want a nice product is all we want. Liberty Media, exactly. give us some entertainment. Enthusiast, yeah, come on. Uh, all right, well, I think that's everything for now. Um, like I said, we'll be back before we actually go racing. But until then. For the first time of season three, see you assholes. See you assholes.